Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The Methodist Church is splitting, but obviously not for the first time. The last time the religion was divided like this was right before the Civil War. So could this be a sign of the times? What does this tell us about the polarization plaguing our country? And more importantly, where it's leading all of us? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it is time to think again, and uh, this is a conversation I have really been looking forward to. Bonnie Christian's a journalist and author. Her latest book is Untrustworthy, The Knowledge Crisis Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics, and Corrupting Christian Community. And Bonnie joins us on the line. Bonnie, thanks for making some time for us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Yeah, great piece in uh, Reason, uh, talking about this Methodist split, what it tells us about American political polarization. Uh, Give us just a little bit of the backstory. Uh, Where are the United Methodists? What does that look like? What is happening? Sure. Um, So like many denominations in recent years, the Methodists have been uh, attempting to decide what they want to do as at the denominational level about gay marriage and ordination. Um, And for the Methodists, it's been complicated um, and prolonged by a couple factors. One, of course, is the the timing um, that they began to have this conversation during the COVID pandemic. And that has resulted in a lot of delays with um, you know various conferences and, and meetings that they would be having. And then the other um, perhaps more unusual factor is that the United Methodist Church includes a large international contingent, particularly a large presence from the continent of Africa, and those uh, members are overwhelmingly traditional on this question. And so while in the United States, um, I want to say, if I recall correctly, the, the majority are leaning towards um, a more progressive stance, um, and it's not it, it's it's not an overwhelming majority, but um, having that international vote as well and voice um, has made it uh, not as uh, much of a slam dunk as it would have been. Um, and so they are they're still in the process of negotiating this. And uh, there was a plan agreed to uh, in 2020, but that's sort of been upset. And it sounds like it may not be fully resolved uh, for another two years. Okay, and so as you uh, as you look at that, as you watch that kind of play out a little bit, what does this really tell us about where we are as uh, as a country? Well, the interesting thing is that, and I'm not a Methodist, but from what Methodists are are saying and from what I've observed, um, you know, this is sort of the precipitating issue: this question of gay marriage and ordination. But mm-hmm. that's not the only source of division within the denomination. Um, and I came across a really interesting interview with a. Methodist bishop named Gary Mueller um, from Arkansas, and he said there are parts of the church in which traditional Trinitarian thinking is beginning to morph into Unitarian thought, and there are also parts where he's concerned that traditional 
Christian Orthodox thought is beginning to resemble white Christian nationalism. And so mm. what he was describing, it, it sounds to me, is that there's um, this polarization happening within Methodism, and it's uh, very politically tinged, and it's sort of a microcosm of the larger polarization that we see um, across our country. Yeah, and so what does this mean? What does this kind of split uh, mean in terms of uh, religious liberty as a whole? Well, for religious liberty, I think it it points us to a larger issue, which is that as the United States becomes more secular, there are fewer people who have a personal stake in preserving religious liberty. Now, there are plenty of people who are, you know, very principled civil libertarians who are going to defend those rights, whether they are religious or not. But for a lot of people, we tend to only really care about defending the rights that we ourselves exercise. And so as the country becomes less religious, there are fewer people for whom it really personally matters if religious liberty rights are preserved. Um, and I think that would, you know, I think it's a mistake to, to not defend religious liberty. And so that's something that we need to be attentive to as religious demographics change. Oh, I think that's a, a fascinating thing, and uh, and as that continues to to evolve and go, and I, I know you've uh, spent a lot of time looking back at history in terms of uh, the past. Uh, you, we mentioned the, uh, the the division that happened in 1844 before the Civil War. Uh, are there any lessons there that we should be learning from, or are there any things that we're not watching that were maybe some uh, pretty significant indicators back in 1844 that maybe we're replaying today? Yeah, well, the comparison I made in the the Reason article that sparked this conversation is that church splits are sort of like the canary in the coal mine, that it's an early warning sign that really serious political division is happening and that perhaps it goes beyond sort of the normal political squabbles that we have. And so in the run-up to the Civil War, that was when the Methodist, the first um, really well-known Methodist split happened. That's also when the Baptist split, and, and they split over slavery as well, and that saw the creation of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, you know, it's not so tidy as because these churches split, we had secession and civil war. Like, it's a not a neat causal relationship right. Like, right, like that, of course. But I don't think it's too much to say, and, and this isn't original to me, historians think this, and, and people who were alive at the time thought this as well, that those splits sort of um, prefigured and also contributed to the national division and the violence that came a decade and a half later. Because once you have those big divisions and you're no longer seeing the people on the other side of the issues as you know someone with whom you disagree, but they're still like part of your group once they just become your enemy, then that sort of lessens your desire, your motive to resolve the issue peacefully. Uh, I think that's such a, a crucial part of the conversation is that uh, whether it's dealing with religious components or purely political issues, uh, that moment we get to contempt where that person we disagree with is no longer of value because we disagree, uh, that they have no you know, that worthlessness of another human being uh, really takes us down a, a very different path. Any other learnings or any other insight or things that you're watching uh, as this kind of marches forward and, and what we expect to see next? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, uh, you know, it may seem like, well, why should I pay attention to the Methodists if I'm not a Methodist myself? And it's the, the same thing with any church denomination. I think it's just a good idea to sort of keep an eye on what these these big religious organizations are doing. Um, it is true that we're becoming more secular as a country, but there are still many, many religious people in this country, and these provide 
arguably, I think, a preview of, of where the larger polity is going. And it's it's good to have that information. It's good to have that warning and to not be caught unawares by changes that are coming to our country. Yeah, fantastic. It is the canary in the coal mine uh, for sure. Bonnie Christian, again, journalist and author. Her latest book is Untrustworthy, The Knowledge Crisis, Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics and Corrupting Christian Community. Bonnie, thanks so much for joining us today. Great insight. Yeah, thank you again. All right, and that's uh, Bonnie Christian, and, and there is a, a lot in there. And I love the fact that Bonnie said, look, whether you are uh, a Methodist or not, watching how these kinds of splits take place is very instructive. It is the canary in the coal mine, because as we split on more and more things, or as some principles become less important to a broader spectrum of the American people, the conversations change, the policy change, uh, and it's not just impacting things like religious liberty. Uh overall unity and community uh, in and outside of the religious and faith context uh, begins to change. And that's something we all need to be thinking about. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.